Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Church. God bless you, and uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. We're so excited about today's podcast. It has been so wonderful. It's such amazing journeys for the past year and a half of us uh, being the new church and uh, doing the podcast and meeting together and teaching about uh, what God put on our hearts. So a year and a half ago in March of 2021, God put on our hearts to to put together this teaching from Acts 2, 42 through 47, which we thought it was going to take about six weeks. And uh, here we are after 18 months, we're ready to finish it. We're really excited about it. We have learned so much in this uh, past months that has blessed us so much. And we pray that it has blessed you also. Um, again, all our teachings that, that's been going on has been uh, motivated and inspired, of course, by, by God and by the Holy Spirit, but this, by the scripture of Acts 2.42-47 that kind of led us through what we felt God wanted us to do as a church. And today we are finishing up with the last verse, which is verse 47. I actually want to read 46 and 47 just because it's a, it's a whole sentence so that we know how is this flowing. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Beautiful picture of a young, of a young church that just started um, coming together, learning about who Christ is, listening to, to what the apostles were teaching, and then just coming together, praying for each other, breaking bread, um, fellowship. It's just a beautiful image of the church. And this is definitely has guided us as a church for the past year and a half. And we're excited about the last part of, again, the, what God has promised and showed to them. And we, we kind of walk in the same promise. Uh, we've been definitely blessed on, pod, on podcasts. We have all these new people who are listening to us. At some point, hopefully we're going to meet. Uh, but it's just a joy that God is adding to numbers of people who um, we're being used to bless through the scripture. So we're going to focus on a couple of things today. There's a couple of points that we want to talk about that was put in our hearts in the verse 47. Uh, as you can see, it says praising God. And we've been talking about praising God for the past month and a half, how we can praise God through all ways. Right. Um, but it's enjoying the favor of all the people. And we love that because it's a, it's a statement. It's it's pulled out from the whole Bible. There's so many ways that that is stated from from the beginning to the end of the Bible. And definitely, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about the unity of believers of people. When we say people, we always talk about God's people. Like back in the, back in the Old Testament, the people were the chosen people, the Israelites. As Christians, the people are the body of Christ. So we're going to focus on that. And then lastly, we're looking forward to talking about how God adds daily to the numbers, not our advertisement and uh, cool T-shirts and all that, uh, and coffee in the, in the lounge. Um, so let's dive in into our scriptures and look more into favor of God. So the first thing that we, we notice 
again, just kind of summarizing where we've been, uh, we took chapter two, verse 42 through 47, and really felt that there was an outline of about seven sections uh, based on the verbs that were through this section. And the first one was devoted, uh, being fully devoted to God, heart, mind, soul, spirit, and strength. The second was being filled with the Holy Spirit. Third was sharing everything out of overflow, uh, not just giving and serving in ministry uh, out of emptiness, but out of overflow. Um, then we talked about persevering and uh, what the implications of that through suffering, service, sacrifice, and success. Uh, we studied breaking and partaking. That was another series that we did. Uh, and then recently, just last week, we finished up praising God. And that was through boundaries and through work, uh, dance, joy, anger, and a whole bunch of other subjects. So we've been breaking these down, but the topics that we had actually came from this segment of text. So if you're new to us, I think it's just helpful to have that framework. And the text ends with this verb of enjoying. And so the series that we, you know, which is really just today, uh, before we move into a whole new uh, arrangement of teachings that we feel God has put on our heart moving forward, we're calling it season two. It's <laughs> core. <season> two. <laughs> core, core 242, season two. So the, the interesting part about this specific verb, enjoying, uh, I give total credit to translators. They have a very difficult job. Well, anyone who knows multiple languages knows that when there's idioms or phrases, a lot of times things get lost in translation. And this is one of those instances uh, where the, the word actually means to have or to hold. And if you just said that they had the favor of the people, it doesn't have as much richness to the phrase um, as what would have been encapsulated in the original Greek. And just like we have the, the phrase when you hear to have and to hold in English, it takes you to a wedding ceremony, right? It takes mm -hmm. you to yeah. the vows and the covenant and this celebration. And when you really think about uh, the, the epitome of celebration in, in the life of a human, you know, there's a few events that really stand out. You know, we celebrate birthdays, holidays, graduations, the birth of a child. Uh, but really, you know, the capstone of just about every romantic movie is the wedding. And so if you can have that kind of picture of, to have and to hold and this this commitment this vow this covenant that's the book end that you started this teaching with being devoted to god heart mind soul and spirit and at the end you have this to have and to hold the church and the relationship that god is with his people and his people uh love him in return and so there's this beautiful vowel uh, covenant that's that's pictured here which gets into the unity piece that i know you're you're prepared to share about uh, and I don't know if you want to do that first or if we should get into yeah. the favor of God. Let's go into favor. I'm excited about it. <laughs> so the, the phrase is to have the favor of all the people. And the other nuance that's kind of missed in this uh, that would have hit the, the ancient Israel Jewish audience is that there's a phrase in scripture that's used over and over again. And that is that someone would have the favor of God and men upon him. And we'll just go real, real quickly through a couple of, of examples. So if you go to Exodus chapter 33, uh, Moses in verse 12 says to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to have your favor. Remember this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so the first thing that we take from this phrase of having the favor of God and the people 
uh, Moses is an example that when, when God's favor was on someone, it came with a challenge. It came with a calling. Mm. And in Moses's case, he had to step out of his comfort zone. He had to confront Pharaoh and lead people out of Egypt through the wilderness. It was, it was a difficult task and they were a very stiff necked mm. and stubborn people. But in return, again, the, the beautiful part of having the favor on you, right, is that God's presence is with us. Yeah. So when we think of the word favor, a lot of times, you know, if you look at that verse and you say, oh, they were enjoying the favor of the people, you think that they were, you know, rich and famous and that God was just, you know, they were living their best life now and they had, <laughs> they had you know, everything their heart could wish for and they, they were getting those promotions and those cars and those houses. But that's not, that's not the picture. The picture of, of divine favor and the favor of men that is throughout scripture, the, the, the theme of it is that the presence of God is, is the marking Absolutely. of having the favor. And so God's presence is with you and he gives you rest. So that's the first example. The second example of this more concretely, this phrase is we jump ahead to first Samuel chapter three. And we see here that, you know, Samuel is a small child and he is serving in the house of Eli and Eli's sons were wicked, but Samuel was set apart by God. And he, he begins to hear the voice of God uh, in the middle of the night, but he doesn't know that's what he's hearing until Eli, you know, re realizes it for him and tells him the next time you hear that voice, respond, speak Lord for your servant is listening. And so you see this amazing where he has this initial encounter where he has the presence of God with him. And in verse uh, chapter three of first Samuel, first Samuel chapter three, verse 19, it says the Lord was with Samuel again, the presence of God being a marking of favor as he grew up and God let none of his words fall to the ground. So the second thing we see here is that when the favor of God is with someone, their words don't fall to the ground. In other words, there there's fruit to their ministry, mm -hmm. which is what we see happening in Acts chapter two, where the Lord, you know, they're fruitful and multiply. The Lord adds to their number. And just to confirm what, what I'm saying about the, the phrase, if you look at first Samuel chapter two, this is one of the first instances where we see this repeating phrase. Uh, chapter two, verse 26 says, the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in the favor of the Lord and men. Mm -hmm. And that's the phrase that I'm talking about, that we see a pattern through scripture that when someone had the favor of the Lord and men, it was, it had a, a, an, a an idiom that had a meaning beyond just the words in and of itself. So people knew that that meant that they had a special calling, a special anointing, that there was a purpose that God had for them that was beyond the, the average uh, calling that an individual would have. So when you fast forward here, uh, there's many instances of people who have the favor of the Lord, but I just wanna point out two more where we see this actually in the New Testament. And when you look at Luke chapter one, it says here that uh, verse 28, it says that Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So there's that phrase of the Lord being with you and having the favor of the Lord. And verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And now every Christmas story I've ever heard where there's Mary seeing the angel, they talk about how she's a young girl and she sees the angel and she's freaked out and she's scared. But the text is very clear that Mary was troubled at his words. And the reason he's troubled at his words is because she hears, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. <laughs> and she's going back to what she has been taught about people throughout scripture who have had 
the favor of God mm-hmm. and the presence of God with them. And she's troubled because she knows what now. Yeah. She knows that something is about to come and she doesn't know what it is. So she's not afraid of the angel. She's not afraid. It says that she is troubled by his words because that phrase, that idiom of the favor of God and men, the favor and that God being with you came with a cost. Mm. And the last one that I, I want to point to, of course, we can't talk about having the favor of God and then without looking at Jesus himself. So in Luke chapter two, uh, verse 52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in the favor with God and men. So there's that phrase again uh, of the favor of God and men. And we know, of course, that that came with the ultimate cost, the mm. ultimate sacrifice that the favor of God on the life of Jesus uh, meant the the ultimate surrender through death on the cross and salvation for man. So God always wants to do something powerful, but the favor and the presence of God in your life always means that there's going to be some sort of cost or sacrifice on your part. So when we look at Acts chapter two, the reason this is important is because if we just talk about enjoying the favor of the people, you kind of miss the fact and it doesn't tie over to within the next one to two chapters, all of a sudden you have persecution, persecution, imprisonment, the first martyrs being killed, and it doesn't seem to line up. But to that audience in ancient Israel, that would have perfectly made sense. Because when you use a phrase like the favor of God and men, you know that soon after, just like all the prophets before them, that meant persecution and suffering on behalf of the higher calling of God. Yeah, I think we're we're gonna change some people's prayers (laughs) <laughs> to those teachings when they're like oh lord give us favor now it's like uh how about now you know like oh, my, my favorite movie fiddler in the roof that that wonderful statement when he when he looks to looks to god and says god i know we're your chosen people but can sometimes you choose somebody else exactly and exactly. It, it is sometimes with those of us who have a call a calling by god that walk um it's hard. It's hard. It's a it's a hard walk. Sometimes we don't want to do what God calls us to do. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, we feel like it's insane to do it, but um, you know, you, you keep doing it. You keep uh, right. talking into a recording and hoping the this the the word of God reaches somebody and blesses somebody, or yeah. you stop in the middle of the street and you talk somebody and love on them because the Lord put it on your heart, or you move to a different country altogether. And minister there, yeah, and minister people there. you don't know. Exactly. And so we just, when we when we look for the favor of God, I don't think, I don't mean to deter people from seeking that, right? Yeah. We, we want to, again, with the favor of God, that means three things. One, you have his presence yeah. guiding you and leading you, right? Yeah. Every step of the way. Uh, two, you can hear him, right? You can see him. He becomes very tangibly present in your life. Um, but the third part is, is that we have to understand when we pray for God's favor, it doesn't mean that he just is like a genie in a bottle granting us wishes. His favor means that he calls us into really difficult places. And so when we seek the favor of God, when we seek his presence, when we seek his face, when we want to hear his leading and his voice, we also have to be prepared to be a target uh, for persecution and struggle and suffering, because that's the cost of having his presence with us every step of the way. Absolutely. And, and it, it doesn't make sense for us because God is not of this world. He is holy. Sin cannot be in the same place as, as holiness. 
God calls us to be holy as he is holy. So when we ask for his favor, when his spirit is upon us and we surrender our will to him, then we don't match up with this world. Right. In in every way. In the, um, so that's where challenges come away. When now all of a sudden God is speaking to you and telling you you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be watching this, you shouldn't be saying this, uh, you shouldn't be going to where you're going, you shouldn't be laughing at those jokes, you know, like, there's like, conviction. Yeah. There's conviction of the Holy Spirit. So now all of a sudden it's it's hard. Like you start looking in the Word of God, it looks back. It shows you. James talks about talks about like looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's just we need to really understand that this is a normal um, happening when you start following God. Well, you know, a lot of people like you start, you accept Jesus in your life and everything's going to go absolutely awesome. The awesome part is the hope that we have in the Lord. Right. That's what we have because, because surrender him. But in this world, thank God we're not of this world. Right. So we're just understanding that that favor that comes upon us does come with a, a lot of eye opening and a lot of challenges in this world. Right. And, and the, it's also interesting to know that his his presence right and being able to discern like romans chapter one says you know to give yourself as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing uh so that you can test and know god's will right so if we want so many of us want to be able to hear god's voice we want to be able to sense his spirit leading us we want we want people all over the world you know they're hurting there's so much darkness and it's like where is god i don't see him i don't hear him well he promises that he will give us this favor but you notice it's this is the the end the end fruit of the being devoted, right? And the being together and sharing things in common. And so there's all this discipleship that's happening. Mm -hmm. And this is having that discernment to hear his voice and sense his presence with him is not just because you prayed one little magic prayer. It's this ongoing, they were meeting together daily. They were breaking bread. They were, you know, hearing the apostles teaching, right? All of these things had become so integrated in their life that just as Jesus promises, where two or more are gathered, he's there, right? So you see at the end of verse 47 that God's presence is there, that they're seeing him and hearing him and feeling him. And it is worth all the suffering and persecution mm, and the things know, that you lose know, to be able to experience God in such a powerful mm, way. Yeah, I think um, Job kind of holds that together at the end, right? When God speaks to him and like, <laughs> it really speaks to him and puts him in a place and he's like i just heard of you but now i have seen you mm-hmm. that's his, and that was a painful teaching for him and i think we're the same thing we hear about god but then when we fully commit to him and then study his word and through prayer and fasting and all the all those disciplines that we taught before that's when we become from i've heard about you but now i've seen you and that's a, for myself, yeah. And that is such a blessing. That's a favor of God. That's the grace and mercy that that we are blessed by because of doing what He's called us to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, the next part, I mean, I'm already excited. This this was good. So I'm going to keep the the next part it's a little bit shorter. The next thing what it talks about is it says again, it's with a favor on the people right and i I at the beginning i said that when we talk about people we're talking about god's people coming together as one right we always talk about the body of christ paul talks about it a lot 
of our body of Christ, our body of Christ that we're all one and everything else in the unity of believers and how important it is that the body of Christ, the church, um, is together as one leading this world in, in love and showing mercy and grace um, to, to others. But it's really important for us to be healthy. The body has to be healthy. The body has to love each other. We, we got to show grace and mercy to one another, show favor to one another and everything else. Um, this is very close to my heart because of my other ministry, Christian Biker Unity. Um, the it birthed a while ago, and the verses that uh, other Christian unities follow is Psalm 133, which is a beautiful psalm. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. It, and it continues about um, the blessing and aroma when people come together. We, we always talk about when two or more are gathered and in my name. There I am, right? It's We have used these verses over and over again, but we need to really focus to see that all those things happening when people of God come together. We forget about it. And looking at Acts 242, that we see that it's they weren't coming together just on Sunday for service for an hour. They were going to each other's homes. They would go to the temple and meet there, but they also would get together and break bread. And they, there were so many times that they would find themselves being together. They sold whatever they had to give to others. So that way there was a unity that everybody was taking care of. And that's that's a big thing for us. We got to reflect that love that God has given upon us um, to the world. And it shows that way. We I started because of a motorcycle community where the ministries would not acknowledge each other but the secular motorcycle groups would acknowledge each other with a hug and a kiss on the cheek and Christians kind of just walk by. And sadly, we, we kind of have that same mentality with churches. We, we just like pass each other by. Yeah. And division it, and competition. Yeah. You worry about that. If, if they find if they come visit your church, they'll, they'll be stolen or whatever else. Uh, but those are kind of things I want to focus on a couple of, couple of verses. I really got to get into John thirteen thirty four. I think that that's kind of kind of the key verse in in this unity. Uh, verse thirty four says, "A new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another." Again, another we're talking about believers. We got they're talking about believers. We gotta love one another. And verse 37, uh, 35, I'm sorry, right afterwards tells us why we have to love one another. It says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If there is no love in the body of Christ, then the, the, there's no testimony. That is an important part for us to show the world how much God love, is love. We got to love one another. We cannot hurt one another. We cannot um, backstab and gossip and all that stuff. That should not be happening in the body of Christ. We've got to love one another. Uh, so we need to focus on that. We cannot separate. It's great to love those around and do outreaches and everything else, but we cannot um, bless the world when it's all dried up in the church. We cannot bless people out of, out of emptiness. So we need to be able to uh, love one another. And it's not one of those 
you see somebody on Sunday, hey, how you doing? Good, good. And keep walking, right? We, we want to be invested into one another. There needs to be a connection with one another. Uh, there's care and love for that. We are praying for them, but we are, if somebody's hurting, we're coming, in, coming around them and, and blessing them in any way. Uh, and Jesus had this heart in the John 17, 20, 20 21. There's this amazing prayer that he prays. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And again, he's praying about his disciples and he's also praying about us. We are those that became, became believers through the message of, the, of his disciples. And it says, believe in me through the message that all of them may, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So not only we give a testimony through our love for one another that God is love, but it also through our love, how we treat each other, it gives the testimony that God has sent Jesus down here for us to die on the cross and to be risen again. Like that's powerful because of how we treat one another. That's the testimony that we give to the world. And that is really powerful. We need to come around each other. We need to love on each other. We need to provide each other. The, the, last, the last verse, which is, might, might be um, a, a little bit strong or whatever, but uh, James 5, chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and so someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from the death and cover a multitude of sin. That is a powerful statement. I know we want to evangelize and go out there and, um, you know, save the world and everything else. But he's right here. James is talking about the body of Christ, that if somebody walks away from the faith, we need to go after them. It's not some of the, ah, you know what, they weren't tithing anyways, and they weren't working the parking ministry. No, if they're walking away, we need to pursue them and love on them. And of course, we can teach about where, where do we just let them into their sin and everything else. But it's really important. Look at how we want to love and then we want to turn them away from their errors because one, we save them from the death, that second death that we don't want to talk about. And number two, we cover a multitude of sins. We stop that person from adding to the sins of this world if we bring them back into the family of Christ, into the unity. Uh, of believers. So those are very important parts of of what God has for us as a church, the big church, not the, the little separate churches, but the big church. I think that's so timely too. You know, you, you see it just everywhere right now. Uh, so many people in the younger generations are have just left the church. They want nothing to do with the mm -hmm. church. Uh, even, you know, Gen Xers, which is, uh, you know, our age bracket, same thing. There's just this trend of, of toxicity and narcissism that has just become so rampant in the churches, you know, nepotism, abuse, the list goes on and on. And, you know, no ministry is going to have everything right, but there's a, there's a point where you cross over and it just becomes really unhealthy and toxic. And I think where we've lost our compass to an extent is that it, like you said, it's great to reach out, but Jesus saved the world. We're, mm. we're not meant to save yeah. the world. We're meant to love one another and, and the Lord adds to their number, right? That's the yeah. last part of the verse is that the Lord will do that. If, as we love one another, as we care for one another, 
people will see the transformation in us and around us and through us, and they will naturally be drawn and want to be a part of that community. And if we focus more on the church being healthy, yeah. the unity of the body, then we wouldn't have so many. I mean, when, when you've got church people, you've got Christians leaving because they want nothing to do with it. They got so much church hurt. They'd rather just walk away from church and walk away from God. That is a, an epidemic that we see right now that is everywhere. You know, it, there are so many people who were involved you know, in the worship team or leadership teams and, you know, pastors uh, who have just gotten burned out. And, and there's this pattern because the church is not caring for our own. And, and if the body is healthy uh, and there's love and there's care in the body and there's uh, respect and boundaries and all of those things, and we're glorifying God, then we, the church becomes more attractive and the Lord is the one who does. We don't have to strive so hard. The Lord will do the work on our behalf. Yeah, it's, I mean, we talked about, we teach this in, in the marriage Bible studies and everything that, that to have a healthy family, a relationship, you got to focus on your spouse. You can't be like, oh, they're good. They're, they're, they're in the house. They're good. I'm going to go help all these other people right. first. And then if I have some leftovers, I'll, uh, I'll right. do a potluck dinner or something like that. Right. We have to focus on the spouse first so that we're having families healthy. Same thing. We have to focus on the church first so that way we can bless the, the, the world. Out of that. Yeah. And just to clarify, I mean, that's something for those of you who have listened before, you know, part of our testimony is having this blurred line between serving God and serving the organization of the church and, you know, forgetting about family responsibilities and all of that. And, and those things are, we're on our own, you know, healing journey with that, but having those priorities that honor God in that way, that you make the main thing, the main thing. So when we're talking about you know, devoting yourself to the church. We're not talking about the the machine of the church. We're mm -hmm. talking about the community of believers that, yeah. like you mentioned earlier, you know, where you're calling each other, you're praying for each other, you're doing life together. Uh, you're, you know, people are mentoring your children and you're, you know, encouraging their marriage. And there's this exchange of life and love and vitality that is is renewable rather than something that burns you out and drains you so that, you don't reap the fruit of, you know, where you're burned out or you have family members who are bitter against God and bitter against the church because the church kind of uses people and spits them out because it becomes more like a corporate machine rather than the body of Christ. Yeah. So we just need to uh, realize the, that we need to prioritize what God has put in, in front of us and, and understand that that's important because if we prioritize, we're going to make time for it. Right. right. It's when people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. No, I just didn't have priority. <laughs> and, and it's okay. Yeah. You know, just be honest <laughs> and everything else. But the last thing, and we kind of said it, but we got to remember that it's the Lord that adds to the numbers. Right. We got, we, it's, it's not like, I know I was joking around. It's not the coughing at your church. It's not, it's not the worship. It's not, it's not how pretty your outside of the building is. It's not even how many outreaches you're doing. It's the Lord that brings them brings them into your church and each and every one of them, whether it could be a blessing or it could be difficult, but it's God who brought him through those doors and into your life. And uh, we embrace that and we trust God. And it could be just one person or it could be a hundred people, but we trust um, God in that. And when we talk about those numbers, 
remember that God is not adding to their numbers just to add to their numbers. They're adding numbers for a purpose. Right. He's bringing people into your church for a purpose. You know, maybe you didn't start the ministry that you wanted to start because they weren't ready till God brought these people to your church. So they, he added that. But maybe there was not a movement in your church because the numbers weren't there. The special people weren't there. And we have to have peace about that. And we love on people if there's two of them, or we love on people if there's a thousand of them in that church. That's God's uh, decision. That's God's guidance. It's God's will. I just think it's really important that, you know, whoever is listening, you know, we have just a, an ethos that some of our members are still involved in another congregation. Some of them are worship leaders or even ministers, and this is where they come to be renewed and refreshed. And this is their community where they receive and are fed. And other people, you know, are in a transition where they're leaving a ministry and coming here. And some people, this is their primary church home. So if you're listening and you don't have a local church, we really encourage you to find one. At the same time, that doesn't ever exclude you from being a part of our core family and listening to our teachers. We hope that you're being renewed and refreshed. And one of the ethos that we carry is that we always want to put the people over the programs. Mm -hmm. And this comes into play specifically when you're looking at, you know, we don't want to fall into that trap of, well, we have to have a children's ministry or we have to have this outreach ministry. We have to have this. We have to have that. No, we don't. We have to have the church, which is the people, which is the community, which is the fellowship, which mm -hmm. is the presence of God. And so if there are if there's Sundays where our worship leader isn't feeling you know, prepared or just in a tough place or isn't there, whatever we, I mean, there's times when we do all worship and no teaching. There's times when we do all teaching and no worship, mm -hmm. you know, no music. Again, we've gotten away from worship, just being the music because we want to have the people before the programs. And if the programs can't happen, it's not like someone walks through the door and you're like, Oh, you're gifted in this. So now <laughs> we can start this ministry, you know? Yeah. Oh, you used to be an addict. Cool. We wanted to start an AA program, yeah. you know? Oh, you used to be in jail. We want to do the jail outreach. Like yeah. I do believe that God calls people to things, but we, that's not the purpose of the church. Those are good things. But the purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ, to yeah. be a place of healing, of wholeness, and not so focused on the out there, trusting that God will do the marketing campaigns. God will, bring in the evangelism, you know, he, he will do those things organically through our life, not necessarily through our hooping and hollering on the pulpit, through the fog machines and the lights or through our kitschy marketing program. Right. And it's yeah. just, it's just through being the church that yeah. just like Jesus, people were amazed by his wisdom and teaching and they were drawn to him. You know, he didn't have social media. He didn't have recruiters. He, he just, Followed the will of God and people, he couldn't, he couldn't shake them off. Actually, yeah, he, tried. <laughs> he tried. He tried many times. Yeah. So I think, I think for for us, at least for pastors, uh, we just want to teach the gospel. We want to disciple people, and those programs will just come out of them. Like if you came from jail, I'm just gonna share the gospel with you, and if God leads you to minister in jail, keep. You go we'll and support you. You go and minister yeah. in jail. We love on you. We'll be there for you to replenish your your spirit and and everything else. You know, it's that that's how it is. You you want a you want a children ministry? Good. We're gonna teach you how to be a, a godly parent, and you can minister to your parents at home uh, to, to your, your children, children at home. <laughs> you know, but our our job is to invest into into the people who brought God brings to them and to, for them to have that relationship with God through. Christ.
Christ. That's that's our goal, our goal. And through that, the Holy Spirit is going to guide them into those programs or whatever God is leading them to do. Right. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could look at and say, well, the church should do this and the church should do that. Well, the church is the people. The people, absolutely. So if you feel that this should be happening in the church, maybe God is calling you, right? Uh, And that's just a lot more of an uncomfortable message. So that's for another day. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But just looking ahead, you know, some of the things that we have outlined, uh, we're going to look at over the next, uh, however long it takes, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, We're going to look at the gifts and graces of the spirit. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes. We're going to look at the armor of God. Uh, We may look at the 13 attributes of God. There's a lot of possibilities coming up. We're excited to be going into season two with you. We're glad that you're on this journey with us, Uh, whether it's just one episode or whether you stay with us for a hundred or however many until the Lord returns. Yeah. And and we definitely welcome you guys to come in person. Again, we're, we meet on Sunday nights from five 30 is the fellowship time at six o'clock. The service starts. We're at 3350 North Harlem Avenue. It's a wonderful uh, breakfast house. Yeah, we're in Chicago. It's yeah, kind of important because yeah. we have people. Those of you who are in Chicago area. <laughs> Shout out to those. We have listeners. It's amazing who are in uh, Asia, Europe, uh, Africa, South America. Well, they're all over the world. So yeah. we are so thankful for those of you who are committed and listening. Again, whether you're here for one episode or a hundred, uh, we, we welcome you as our core family. Absolutely. And uh, as always, know that you're loved and and covered in prayers. Be blessed. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.